Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. welcome to episode 93 of Lesbians Who Write. This week's topic is location, location, location. Joining me, your host Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the woman to rival Kirsty Olsop, T.B. Markinson. Hello T.B., how are you today? Kirsty <laughs> I knew that. I knew that one might trip you up. She is the host of the TV show, Location, Location, Location. Does she host it with a bald guy? She does, yeah, yeah. I don't remember the premise. Like, are they, like, competing to see if they can... One of them either has to fix up the house and the other one has to see if they can find a new house for the person? No, they, they just have separate people they have to find new places for. It's a property show. Isn't there one that I just described, though, where they try and fix it up and then they have to decide if they're going to stay or something? Oh, yeah, that's uh, Love It or List It. And it is presented by the same people. Is it? Yes. <laughs> wow, I didn't know there was actually two separate shows. That <laughs> might explain where I'm like... This one seems a little different. I don't remember this premise. <laughs> anyway, you are you are Kirsty Allsop for today. I can be Phil Spencer, okay? Which one's the smarter one? Probably Kirsty. <laughs> yes! I get to pretend to be smart today. <laughs> oh, the pressure. I'm feeling it. So come on then. All right. Tell me your week. Oh, man. It's not been a fun week so far. It's only Tuesday. I am getting ready to publish Kismet. I think I'm going to upload it tomorrow afternoon to KDP. So the art team has helped me weed out some of those pesky little typos. And since the book does have such a strong Christmas connection, I won't, I'm not describing it as a Christmas book. I figured it's best to get out, get it out there now. So I've been in the process, you know, of prepping the book, uh, writing the launch email, the blog post, and all the other things that have to happen and all the things you forget that have to happen. And then you're like, oh, making your to-do list. You're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. It's just never ending. So that's, so it's been busy so far. Um, we just finished Thanksgiving weekend here. It wasn't planned, but I ended up taking most of the days off. And I watched a TV show that you would have hated. Absolutely hated. It's called um, Dickensian. I don't know if you've ever even heard of it. No. It does have a Charles Dickens tie-in, if you can, if you couldn't tell from the title. And it takes a bunch of his characters from different books. And they've made it into a murder investigation of who killed Jacob Marley. So, it was set at Christmas time, obviously. I'm assuming you know Jacob Marley. I do. I do know the Christmas yeah. Carol, yes. <laughs> yes. I Main... know you're not a huge Dickens fan. Yeah, I but... just wanted to know where the bar was. Mainly because mainly the Muppets did a, a version of it, right? So. My favourite uh, one is uh, Mickey Christmas Carol. Obviously so. it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually wearing... People can't see this, but I'm wearing a Mickey Mouse t-shirt right now. But yeah, so I watched that. It was just like good, nerdy fun. Um, so, and it was quite a long show. It was like 10 episodes, and I think each episode was an hour. So I watched a lot of telly. On the writing front, I'm turning my attention to the British novella. And I also have a secret project in the works that I am nearing closer to announcing what's going on in 2021. I've been working on something behind the scenes for most of this year. Hopefully soon that will all come together and I can make the big announcement. Uh, but I have to admit, it's still been rather hard for me to focus on writing because, you know, well, we had the holiday, we have COVID, we have the never-ending election. When is that election going to end? 
Uh, I can't tell you that. Um, probably not this year, but who knows? <laughs> but in order to combat all of this craziness, I've started something on my author website for this month um, since today is December 1st. I'm calling it my festive project. Um, we're not going to be traveling to see any friends or family over the holidays, but I'm still trying to capture that festive feeling of the holidays. And so I'm having like a photo project on my website where each day I'll upload a, a, a holiday-ish photo. Um, poor Lady Grey has absolutely no idea what I have planned for. She is going to be a victim in this project. We started some photos yesterday and <laughs> at one point, I picked her up and she just hissed at me. So it's going well. <laughs> I did like the one you put on the podcast uh, feed this week. If you haven't seen that, it's TB in a Santa hat with Lady Grey. Yeah, that was one of the least difficult ones for her where she just had to do her... She she has a very serious face. She looked really grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, her, that's her normal persona. And I don't mean to say, but, you know, grumpy cat earned a lot of money. So maybe you could earn some money uh, off of uh, Lady Grey. I actually have a grumpy cat one-a-day calendar on my desk right now, and I'm really sad because, you know, the year is ticking down, and I only have 30 more little things to rip off because it's it's very humorous. And people who don't know grumpy cat, that cat really... I know Lady Grey looks grumpy, but grumpy cat really takes it to a whole new level. <laughs> grumpy cat's very grumpy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that's my week so um, far. And I'm in, I'm intrigued. Secret project is this um, in lesbic or is it in a different uh, genre? Oh no, this is lesbic. I'm hoping I'll be able to launch it in January, but you know it's December, so I need to really get going on it. If I don't launch it in January, I'll launch it in February. Something I've been working on behind the scenes. So yeah, it's getting kicked up to a higher gear because uh, you know that you know when you start something like this and you're like, oh, I'm going to start it in the next year. And then December hits, and you're like, oh, fuck, I'm starting again <laughs> next year. <laughs> well, I'll, I'm excited, and I will we'll look forward to your secret project. What's going on over there? So, as you said, and I know, um, obviously, I launched my book last week, and so that was that was that that's very busy. Uh, launch week is very, very busy. So, and I, I was thinking this week, we did that podcast on how do you, how do you rev yourself up again after a launch? And I think I did say that you just have to take some time away. I think I take more. I think I probably said that you take a few days. I take so much more than that. <laughs> I've realised. <laughs> I mean, I'm still working. I'm working. I'm doing all the admin that I've just ignored. Uh, that I just ignored for the three, three, four weeks. You know, leading up to the launch. Yeah. So I've just been doing. I had an admin week. I've had such a busy day today. Um, you know, I've caught up on my email. I haven't been emailing anybody for two weeks, so I've done all that. Social media, accounting, did my other podcast yesterday, website tweaks, tax returns, author interviews. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And then um, also, I've, I, I was thinking I'd really like to start writing some new words because I haven't uh, done any new words for quite a while. But then I need to get London 7 ready because that's coming out. Uh, next month now <laughs> so uh, yeah so I've got to go through that but that is all done back from the editor so I've just got to read that through but I think I will be starting new words I was hoping this week but I think this week's going to be a bit much so next week I will I will do that but that's exciting uh, but I've, I've had a complete sort of break from writing these new words that are you're, you're itching to get out is mm. it uh is it another London novella? No, not a London novella. No, another one in your London series, or is it a standalone? Do you know yet? 
I don't know. Are yet. you just at this stage yet where you want new words, but you have fucking no clue what kind? <laughs> well, I know what my next London book uh, is going to be. I know the story, uh, but I've yet to outline it. But that's going to need some research because it's a bit historical. So, um, do I want to do that, or do I want to just write a standalone or a novella or something like that? I don't know. I'll let you know when my fingers hit the hit the keys. TB. That's when the magic happens. Yeah. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> So, uh, Christmas movie watching. Now, th- this week has been a big week for Christmas movie watching. Big, big, big week. I watched Happiest Season, uh, the new um, lesbian Christmas movie with Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis, written by Claire Duval. And I watched The Christmas House, which is the Hallmark Channel's first Christmas movie with gay co leads. All right. So, how was the Kristen Stewart one? I enjoyed it. Um, it's meant it's building itself as a romantic comedy. It's a bit too close to the bone and raw, I think, to be a pure act comedy. There are moments of romance and there are moments of comedy, but I think the whole premise of it is that uh, Kristen Stewart has to go home with her girlfriend, who tells her she's not out, and then they both have to act straight. And it's just a bit too close to the bone for anybody who's gay in any way shape or form I think you know I've never had to do exactly that but you all know the feeling and you all know yeah we've all had to we've all acted gay at some uh, acted gay (laughs) I've acted really gay at times in my life we've all acted um, straight in one situation or another in our lives and it is just it's a little bit heartbreaking it's a little bit too raw uh, and you will be shouting oh my god what is she doing because you know the girlfriend is a little bit um She's a little bit insensitive, shall we say. But I think, you know, there's been a lot of hate for it online and I think it's uncalled for because actually, you know, this is the first Christmas uh, movie with two female leads um, that actually, you know, it's a romance and it achieves its end. You go on a journey with the characters, there's a happy ending. I was filled with, oh, warm, fuzzy feelings at the end. So, and it's funny and it's got a good cast and it's well shot and all that sort of thing. So... Every, everything's got to start somewhere and it's not going to fulfill everybody's wish list of things but i enjoyed it it's yeah because when i i watched the uh preview of it and i was like really <laughs> i was very surprised with the route they went and because of that i just don't know if i want to watch it because yeah it's something that i am very familiar with mm. and do i really want to relive certain parts of my life mm. not really not, not for christmas <laughs> I mean, yes, you know, there's a lot of people who've been saying, you know, can't we just have a a Christmas movie where the whole thing of you being gay isn't the focus and and it's not a coming out story. And I understand that. However, we've got to start somewhere. And um, this is a story that happens to a lot of people. So, you know, and it's got it's really well written and it's got a stellar cast. I enjoyed it. I think it's worth watching. The Christmas House on the Hallmark... I forgot what it was called then. On the Hallmark Channel. Oh, my God. Your channel. <laughs> the Christmas House on the Hallmark Channel uh, was really good. I really enjoyed it. That actually surpassed my expectations. Um, so that's got two brothers in the lead role, and one's straight and one's gay, and both their relationships are get equal measure kind of thing in the billing. And, um, and they actually... The brother and his husband kiss on screen. For a Hallmark movie, that is just like a, a landmark moment. And they did it in a way that was just, it's what everyone wants Happy Season to be. It was just matter of fact. 
but Happier Seasoner has, is paving the way for, for all different movies to come along after that and as is The Christmas House. So it's been a gay Christmas movie watching week TV, it's been very exciting. Now off air you've told me that you're not it's so festive yet, so is it not really working? Well, no, as I said to you, Affair, um, I, I haven't started Christmas shopping yet because I like to go and get them in shops and all the shops have been shut because we've been in lockdown. So I want to go and um, have a Christmas drink, a mulled wine in a pub, but we haven't been able to because the pubs have been shut. And I want to go to a shop and buy a present and I want to um, see some Christmas lights on the street. But I haven't been able to because, you know, all travel is Ill- dis- dis- disadvised, ill-advised. Don't go out, basically, has been the uh, order. But we get unlocked tomorrow. So I think, I'm not sure I'll get this weekend because I think everyone will be going. We've actually, uh, my wife and I have booked next Friday off and we're going to go shopping then. So not leave it till the weekend. Less crowds. See, I'm still avoiding crowds because it's not safe and I want to protect everybody. But uh, how is it that I... The lesbians who write Grinch is more festive than you so far this year. Like, I have Christmas shit all over my house right now. Christmas trees haven't been on sale here yet. So they've just come on sale this week. So we're getting our Christmas tree this this week. I've just bought some festive lights for my uh, for my office. So, you know, I'm going to get all ho, 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 ho this week. You're going to turn into a ho? This should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> really excited for that. I've been watching... <laughs> And I've been watching Christmas movies non-stop. So this week's just been stellar because gay. Um, Spurs update. Uh, we won 4-0 in Europe, so that's very good. And we drew 0-0 with Chelsea. So we're still top of the league. Haven't toppled yet. The women have been had a couple of weeks off, but they've got a new manager because uh, they've had a poor start to the season. So we've got a new manager. Yes, and I have a question. Have you started reading The Holiday Treatment by Elle Spencer? No, because I'm in the middle of another book at the moment. But that is my next book to read. All right. I listened to the first two chapters, so I'm curious what you think. Oh, a whole two. <laughs> They're long chapters. <laughs> They're long chapters, but um, I got uh, sucked into the whole Charles Dickens who murdered Jacob Marley. Like, I mean, I could have just let that one go. No. I don't know. Who murdered Jacob Marley? <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, so that, that's about it, really. I mean, um, just been working and watching Christmas movies and going for walks and not much else because we've been locked down. So let's get on to comments. All right. So first up, you had posted something on Twitter about our epilogue episode, and Amy Wasp looks like she replied, and she says, love them as a reader, and I hate them as a writer. I just want the darn book to be finished. Um, How many times have you ever said that when you're writing a book? Yes, quite a lot. <laughs> so, so Amy pretty much nailed that feeling. I don't know if you noticed, but... Jay this morning weighed in on horror book Under a Falling Star and Jay admits that yes it is a holiday romance and it is a star shaped tree topper that hits the ice queen in the head and um I have to give her kudos to you coming up with a Christmas tree incident that takes out the ice queen in the head I mean come on that is pretty good it's good it's the work of genius is that how they come together well, that's, yeah, that's how they meet, I think. Well, I think one of them's going to work at the other one's company, and she's an ice queen who, you know, does, has no time for fun. And then the other one's given the job of decorating the tree, and then while she's decorating <laughs> it, it falls on her head. That sounds like so many incidents in my life. But anyways, we're going to press on. <laughs> we have a comment from Yvonne. Um, Yvonne is wondering how much out-of-pocket expenses we have to pay to get a book launched. Wondering, you know, 
about the proofreaders, editors, cover designers, and Yvonne, I don't know if you've had a chance, but on episode 48, we did break down a lot of the expenses. So if you want to give that uh, episode a listen, because I don't remember the exact dollar amounts we discussed, but it, we, we went into kind of a significant amount of detail on that episode to break it all down. And then we have a comment here from someone who wants to remain anonymous. First off, Anonymous would like to say that uh, loves the pod and is learning a lot. But Anonymous wants us to weigh in and wants the audience, our audience, to weigh in on a question. The question is, what do you think would be the response of lesbic readers to an author who transitioned from female to male? Anonymous, as an author, has been building a career for seven years, writing books of women loving women. And Anonymous is concerned that all of Anonymous's past work in the books in the series that Anonymous is still working on will be considered fraudulent, even though Anonymous has always identified as a butch lesbian. What do you think? I think we've said this before a million times. Anyone can write lesbian fiction or queer fiction or um, FF, WLW, all the other acronyms. Anyone can write it. You don't have to be... Um, a lesbian or a queer woman to write it and if you're trans if you're thinking of transitioning that makes no difference to me and it shouldn't make any difference to uh, anybody who's reading it as long as you can write a good story you don't have to be that person to write it so so for me um, I wouldn't say it should make a difference in the real world will it make a difference maybe to some people but um, I think the majority probably not what do you think I think, fuck the haters. I am so tired of the haters who think they have the right to weigh in on someone's, how someone wants to live their life and to make a decision that makes them true to themselves and hopefully happier. So, it, like Claire said, it may have an impact, but overall, those are the people you don't want in your life anyway. Yeah, like TB said, be your authentic self, be your genuine self, and write what you want to write. Absolutely. And I, I say that to everybody. I, I get questions a lot like from um, people who want to write lesbian fiction who don't think they have enough experience in the lesbian world. And no, just just if these are the stories you want to tell, tell them. So that's it for question or not com- questions. That's it for comments on my end. Do you have any on your side? I do. I've got a couple. Uh, Zoe wrote in to say thank you for answering her question and devoting a whole episode to epilogues. No problem, Zoe. It was um, it was good to do. Uh, it was a really good topic and glad it, she says it was helpful, so I'm glad it was helpful. And I have to apologise because somebody wrote to me and said that they were in the gym, they were listening to the podcast, and that it was the week then when I had no comments, TB, and they were sad for me. So they wrote in and said, uh, here's a comment, We love, I love the podcast. But I can't find the I can't find the comment. I can't remember where it was. Was it on Instagram? Was it on email? Was it on Twitter? I don't know. So I had looked through through my emails today, and I can't find it. So if that was you, thanks for writing in and commenting. <laughs> I can't find it. Claire truly values every single <laughs> comment she gets. And she holds them close to her heart. I really should, as soon as I get them, put them in a put them in a folder. But I'm not that organised. See, I always have like a document in my podcast folder for the next for my notes for the next week, and so when I read an email, I just copy and paste it, so I don't. Well, do bully that. for you, TB. Bully for you. <laughs> you know that didn't come across very heartfelt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get let's get on to this week's topic, which is location, location, location. Uh, now, I, as we've already said, TB is Kirsty. 
I am Phil. So I've got no hair, but I've got a sharp suit on, so that's great. Um, and we're going to go, <laughs> but we're not going to try and find you, dear dear listener, um, a new property. No, I mean we can if you like. Just write in, tell us the area you want, and we can we can we can get one, right? Right, Kirsty. Um, in the U.S., the, U- the real estate market is really hot right now, and a lot of the good properties are being snatched up at ridiculously high prices, so I don't really want to help someone right now because okay. there'll be a lot of work. Okay. I mean, I can give you, you know, uh, similarly, London. You don't want to buy a property in London at the moment. Really, really high no. prices. So, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm sure your local estate agent can help you. <laughs> what location, location, location is is referring to is locations in our books. Now... Locations in my books have played a really big part in a lot of my stories. Many readers have commented that the sense of place is truly one of the characters in my books, which is one of the comments that I never thought, never really thought about before, but that was um, a comment given to me about my London Romance series, and it's very true in that series. And it is really true that I want to give readers a sense of what it looks like, feels like, tastes like to be in London in that series, and then to be wherever they are in all of my books. I can go through um, a few of the places, but have you got anything to, else to, to add to the uh, intro? Well, I guess I can. On my end, locations is one of the things I, I really, really struggle with when I'm deciding where to put a book. Um, I have a very hard time writing about a place that I'm not extremely familiar with. So a lot of my stories do take place in Colorado and Massachusetts, two places where I've lived. I've also lived in California, but I lived there as a child. And I don't trust my memories of California, so I have not included a story in California, unless it's like a passing reference to it. Um, So this is one of the things I do struggle with, because I want to feel comfortable. I want to be able to have the experiences my characters are feeling when they're walking down a street or if they're in a park or wherever. So it's one of the things I do spend a lot of time thinking about. I can dig into that a bit more, but while you lead us into your wonderful world of London romance. Actually, I'm going to start with Christmas in Mistletoe, which um, is the book I've just released. So, um, Christmas... No, I said London. London. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I, know you, I know you love London, <laughs> but I'm going to go on to London after that and bring up your recent book in it as well. So, get ready. If we look at Christmas in Mistletoe, so Christmas in Mistletoe is based, strangely, in a little village called Mistletoe. And it was based on, so mistletoe is a made up place. Let's make that clear. There isn't mistletoe because quite a lot of readers have contacted me saying, I really want to live in mistletoe. And I'm like, me too. It's based on a place I visited last year called Rabness, which is in Essex. And in Rabness, there are 400 people who live there. And it's literally just a small clutch of houses, like about four streets. It's got a church, it's got a shop, and it's got an attached part-time bar that's it there's no pub there's no post office there's you know there's there's nothing really there's three places you can go also happens the reason i ended up there because there's not even a, a hotel or a and b or anything but the reason i ended up there is because it's got a striking art house installation which i went to stay in for the weekend so you can rent out this house and so when we went there they said well there's a village bar attached to the shop and it opens after the shop shuts and it opens from, so the shop opens from nine till six. The same people run the bar and they open from six till nine, four days, four nights a week. And everybody from the village goes in there because it's not a pub. It's just like a, it's like a room attached to the shop with a small bar in it and about nine tables. 
But as soon as we walked in there, everybody knew each other. They were so friendly. And, this, and I sat down and everybody started talking to us and everybody was talking to each other. And I thought, this has got to go in a book somewhere. And I didn't know how I was going to feature it. Uh, but I turned Rabness into mistletoe and I had a, added a Christmas tree farm and a truckload of snow and ladies falling in love, mulled wine, twinkly lights and hey presto, you got Christmas mistletoe. Now, readers have said that mistletoe sounds and feels magical and I have to say when I went to Rabness I had that feeling there that real sense of community that sort of magic feeling I felt like this was like a mystical place because it had this amazing place where we were staying in the middle of a field and then you came out to this amazing village where everybody was so friendly and so I really hope that I captured that sense of community and turned it into a very OTT representation of itself but I'm glad I managed to pick up the vibe and put it on the page but I don't think I would have been able to to do it as as well if I hadn't visited there. So that's just to say that I had no intention of including that weekend, but you never know when inspiration will strike. And it's, and it's like you said, it's always really good to base something on something that you've actually experienced because you remember that feeling and you remember um, what happened there. And I've even included some of the things that people said to me in the book because they were funny. Uh, yeah, people in small areas, um, I find don't hold back. No. <laughs> You know what they're thinking of you. <laughs> they were so friendly. They they offered us um, they, they, they all the villagers came in with like plates of food, so like homemade sausage rolls, mince pies, all sorts. It was amazing. Similarly, Did you go over the holidays? We went at the end of November last year, so about this time okay. about this time last year, when the world was a normal place, when we could just go into a small room with like thirty or forty people in it. And as we said, similarly with my London books, they're a mix of real life places and made up restaurants and bars. So I wanted to base the London Romance series in my favorite city, the place I live, because that's what I wanted to read when I first started reading lesbian fiction. I saw a lot of American-based books and I wanted to transport readers to London and feel the bustle of the big city. And I think, and I was gonna say, I think you did this really well, TB, uh, with the setup, your recent book, which I read because you told me you included our murder conversation so I thought well I'll give that a read uh, and I really enjoyed it and I loved do you know the only thing that I, I love the most and it's random things in books isn't it that that get you but I, the thing I, that I like the most that made me feel like I was in London was when your character was walking along some pavements and there was a bloke hosing down the pavement and he stopped the hose and let her by and I thought that really made me I kind of feel that I can imagine it because it happens a lot in London. Yes. I don't know if it happens everywhere else, but it happens a lot in London. <laughs> that guy that was in that in the story, um, I used to walk my dog along that street a lot since it was early in the morning and they were getting everything ready. Um, he had to stop the hose every day for us. <laughs> <laughs> and he always was just like very calm about it. Yeah. So, you know, but yeah, it is something that happens. <laughs> and I think all the places I've I've lived in London feature in my London romance books because there's been six so far and as well as places I haven't too so so for instance my new book coming up in January Hot London Nights that takes place in Shad Thames and central London as well as Canary Wharf one of my characters has money hence she lives very central because you wouldn't be able to afford that most people normally um, and this book allows you to see London from above as the characters all live high up so it's a different perspective and one I really like in real life flats with views and for all the flats I used in this novel, I had estate agents listings so I knew what they were because the main character is searching for a new flat and that's part of the story. So I had to know what they looked like 
this is not a hardship because I love property porn. So I was all over the uh, property porn websites. You know, really, if you if you want somewhere to live, let me know. I'll try and find you somewhere. Um, no, I'm joking. So, but there is a there is a mix. As I said, um, my London books obviously are based in London. I include real areas from London, but I make up the names of restaurants and bars because it's just a bit too difficult sometimes. You, sometimes you can include restaurants and bars and then they go out of business because London restaurants and bars change all the time. Um, and sometimes you just don't want to have it in a real place. So you can have the setting as a real place, but the details you made up yourself. Yes, I, I've had a few people with my uh, Boston books, like I'll include some of my favorite places like in Harvard Square and everything. They're like, I'm pretty sure I've been to that place, but I remember it being called something else. <laughs> but like, yes, yes, it's not the real name. So how high up are these people living in London? Um, Rooftops. How high would that be? Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> high? It's, you can see out, you know, over the rooftops of London. Like, you know, if you're on the top, if you're on the rooftop, you can see the river over the, over the buildings in front. Are we talking like shard high, or something that's like ten, twelve stories? Yeah, like something maybe like fifteen, twenty stories. Not quite shard high because that's the highest building mm-hmm. in London. So, but London is. Um, I've been in a few tall buildings in London or at the top of St Paul's, and it is very beautiful when you get up to the top and you can see and like. I never really notice it until you, I get high up, just how much the river curves. Mm. And, like, when it does curve, it changes, like, the entire atmosphere. Like, cert- every neighborhood in London seems to have its own character, and even, like, all the tube stations have their own little flair. And when you're able to look at it from up above, it really, it really becomes more distinct, and it's just another magical quality of London. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really what I wanted to capture in this book. So it's not something I've done before in any of the um, six before that. Uh, so it's a bit of a different, uh, a different view of London in many, in in all the ways. So um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that, getting that one out to readers in January. I have a few things to say, but first off, um, it took me a long time before I felt comfortable to write any book or story lit uh, set in London or in Britain as a whole. And one of the first ones I took a stab at was our Cotswold series and in order to prepare for this because when we first started talking about this with Harper Bliss if if listeners don't know um, Claire Harper and I we um, all contributed one book to a series set in the same uh, universe and we set it in a little quaint village in Cotswolds again we made up the village but we visited some actual uh, little are they villages are they towns in the Cotswolds villages villages And so um, I was very nervous about this one because even though I've been living in London or Britain for, I think I lived there five or six years before we started tackling this. And we went and we went and visited Mrs. Harper Bliss, drove us around in a minivan. Like we were very lesbian about this. I mean, we had the, the, the minivan and everything. We saw some really cute places and there's even actually a, a little bridge in our little uh, village that both Claire and I included in our stories because... <laughs> Claire declared on Claire declared. I did. There you go. <laughs> Claire declared while standing on this bridge. My characters are going to have their first kiss here, so you bitches stay off the bridge. It's all true, it's... dear listener. I cannot deny it. But luckily, uh, TB and Harper did uh, stay off the fucking bridge. No, not true. I had mm-hmm. a very big moment in my Cotswold book that happens on the bridge but they didn't have their first kiss oh, okay it's when they first see each other so oh. i was just like fuck you you think you can take the bridge all to yourself no <laughs> there was only one bridge 
rage in this little village, Claire. You can't have it to yourself. But um, one of the things that helped put me at ease when I was writing uh, the Coswell book is that since you were involved in the project and we all had, we wrote our own storylines, but some of our characters appeared in the other person's book. So we were all in each other's like very first drafted on. So it helped me knowing that I had someone who could set me straight when I veered off into uh, my American ways. And also I made my character American, one of my main characters American, because that's where I'm more comfortable. But my latest book, Kismet, which hopefully I'll be uploading tomorrow if all goes well, it takes place in two major cities, London and New York City. And the odd thing is, even though I've been living um, near New York City, I'm about four hours away, for six, seven years, um, I felt more comfortable with the London aspect <laughs> in this book. So a lot of the action takes place in London. And again, it's two Americans. One is just visiting London, and the other is an American expat in London, which I have experience with. Originally, Kismet was a short story that was included in a, um, a winter lesbian box set that came out in 2018. It was short-lived, and the story was about 20k and I immediately started thinking of how I can expand that story and have like another short story that I was going to add to it but the way I set it up um the next major action was going to happen in New York City on New Year's Eve I've been to New York City about a dozen times I'm fairly comfortable with the city but I wasn't I've never been there on New Year's Eve I wasn't sure (laughs) what streets would be closed I wasn't sure how easy it would be to get a cab I wasn't sure how easy it would be to navigate the city and I didn't want my characters anywhere near the ball drop because they're in the new uh, relationship status where you don't really want to share the other yet. So I had a, I came to a screeching halt with this story because I wasn't sure how to handle New York City on New Year's Eve. And so it took me a while to come up with a solution around this problem that I uh, created for myself. But it goes back to the whole thing of, especially with major parts of the story I really need to be familiar with the location which is why um the book that I want to write in Ireland still hasn't taken place yet because I still am not super comfortable with Dublin even though I lived there for a year and a half but it's forming in my head that it will take some time but the parts about like uh in Kismet with London it takes a lot of the action takes part at Winter Wonderland in Hyde Park and um, when I first moved to London, we had no idea that this happened. We were actually wandering in the park one day, and I saw all these lights across the serpentine. I was like, what's that? And my partner, who likes fun, <laughs> was like, well, let's go see. So that's how we <laughs> ended you, up at Winter Wonderland. Do you not like fun, TV? <laughs> I could be a bit shy when it's like a big festival thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I could be a bit more hesitant with crowds, and she's the one who just like charges in. And within the first few minutes, she's made, like, 20 friends. That's just her personality. And I'm, the, like, the one in the corner, like, don't talk to me. And a lot of the action takes place at Winter Wonderland. So, again, there's a lot of festive in this. But, again, I'm not going to describe it as a Christmas Christmas book because it's not the intention. <laughs> you are so funny. Every time I talk to you about this book, you're like, it's not a Christmas book. I'm like, right, okay. But it takes place on Christmas Eve in Winter Wonderland. <laughs> but it's not a Christmas book. Do you know, I think a little bit like Jay, I'm going to have to let you know that it's a Christmas book TV. You're going to die on this hill, aren't you? Has, has it got snow on the cover? No. Oh. <laughs> it has no Christmas on the cover. But anyways, 
Winter in Wonderland was one of my favorite places, and I know you would hate it. You would absolutely hate it. You hate crowds more than I hate crowds. Like, I, I'm okay, like, once I ease into it, like, you really don't like them. I'm always amazed when you really want to go to uh, the London Book Fair, because that is packed. But, it, you know, it has the mold wine, it has the broth cooking over the open fire, it has freshly made donuts, and lots of Christmas music, including live music. You might like the live music part. Again, it's very crowded. <laughs> with a lot of drunk tourists. I think that I would perhaps go, like, on a Monday. I have entertained going on a Monday, but, you know, never at a weekend. Too many people. Well, no, we, we usually went, because we live right across the street, so we could go, like, in the evening when she got home from work on, like, a Tuesday, and it wasn't as crowded. And especially, it was better to go earlier in the season, because <laughs> it opens up rather... I think it opened up well i don't think they're doing it this year probably not it was like the beginning of december so you could go earlier on and not have the whole thing there's certain aspects of that there's a, a very important scene that happens early on that's setting up the entire premise of the story and the premise of the story is what happens when you meet the person you feel like you should be with at the worst possible moment of your life your entire world is well one of them one character then her entire world is as crumpled and the other character, her entire world is being made, but she has to dedicate all of her energy to her career. She's been offered this most incredible opportunity that she's been wanting ever since she was a kid. And then they meet. <laughs> one's very sad, one's very happy. And they meet and they're like, oh, fuck, I like this person, but this is really a bad time. But one of the scenes that takes place in there when my main character, Dagny, when her world just comes crumbling down, she's standing at on the uh, edge of the serpentine which is the is it a pond it's a lake that's a lake yeah we our lakes are small we don't consider lakes very big <laughs> but it's an artificial one and i think i forget which george created it for his wife It's created for a queen charlotte as you do when you're a king you can make a lake in the park for your wife and she's she's receiving this terrible news and so i can feel her standing on the edge of the serpentine and it's darkness and um since it is in Hyde Park when it turns dark it gets really dark in Hyde Park <laughs> and there's like goose poop on the ground and she's thinking oh my god I can't believe everything is happening right now and this goose poop has to play a role in my life for the rest of my life when I remember this moment I'm gonna remember this goose poop and stuff like that now I didn't have my my world end at the serpentine but I have slipped in that goose poop because <laughs> my dog likes to sniff it a lot too <laughs> But these are the little details that I really like to include in books, and this is why I have a, such a hard time when it comes to location if I haven't been there, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is why I wanted to go back to New Orleans a couple times this year for a book I really would like to write that takes place in New Orleans, but then all my travel was canceled. So that book is going to have to wait until I can go back and experience a bit more. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, I I really do love. Um, I don't know if you've had this as well. You know, when when people say they want to get, they want to go and live where the books are um, placed. As I said, I've had a few people say it for Christmas and Mistletoe. Another one that's happened for is the Long Weekend. That is the story of nine friends who rent a house in Devon, overlooking the sea. Now, a lot of people have asked me, is this house available for rent? And the sad fact is, no, it's not. However, um, I stayed in a house with a massive um, lounge with a massive picture window in the Lake District. And so what I did, I just picked up that lounge and put it in Devon. And then that lounge was in my made up house uh, for the long weekend. 
but everybody's really sad that they can't rent that house. You could go and rent this other house in the Lake District, but I have to say, the people that owned it were really fucking grumpy, so I wouldn't advise it, but they had a really nice lounge. Did they have a grumpy cat? They didn't have a grumpy cat, but um, they were just a bit fucking grumpy. But one question I think that you should think about is, do you want to base your book somewhere real, uh, so that then if readers can read it and connect with it, and then they can go back there? There are pros and cons to this, like, for the London Romance series, people have asked me, they, they've told me that they want to go and walk in my character's shoes. So they, they come to London and then I, so much so that I created a London tourist guide that included bits from that my characters have done and all the places they've been in the books so that people can go and walk in their shoes. So, and, and that's been, that proved very, has proved very popular and um, we'll include the link in the show notes. But you don't have to know the place intimately, even though you do, TB. But for, I, I do. Yeah, but even if you've just been there once and you can't remember the details, you could walk down the streets via Google, you can read other people's accounts of smells, tastes, what they've eaten, their favourite bars. Um, and if you do go, just remember to take photographs and write notes to remember details because you won't do it generally. I know TB's really good at that. When we were in the Cotswolds, you took a lot of photos um, of the place. And similarly, when we were in Whitstable, which uh, One Golden Summer is based on, uh, you took a lot of pictures of that as well. I, I usually take a lot of photos normally wherever I am, even in my own neighborhood, because I do refer to a lot of... I love looking at photos when I'm trying to describe something. So really, um, for me, location is key. I think generally I have been to the... I've been to parts of the place or I've been to bits that I've transported into the made-up world. So, you know, I haven't been to Mistletoe because it doesn't exist, but I've been to Rabness and I haven't been to that house in Devon <laughs> I haven't been to that house in Devon but I've been to a different house with grumpy grumpy proprietors people really readers really love to be grounded in a place and get a sense of what it is so location is really important in every novel so just do consider it any closing comments yeah absolutely I do actually like the comments though when people say oh that would never happen in like a certain city that I've based it in and I'm basing it like whatever someone has said or someone has done or something I've seen on something that actually happened, I'm like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> no matter how how much you try to make it as accurate as possible, um, you're not gonna make everyone happy. No, which is why you might consider changing some of the names, just so you don't piss people off. Yeah, I usually change like restaurant names or stuff like that, but like sometimes I do mention, like, well, we made up, uh, what was the, what was it, Upper Chuford? Upper Chuford, Upper Yeah, Chuford, we made yeah. up that Cotswold name and stuff. Yeah. Like, I do that, but. But some of my books, like, are London or Boston, Cambridge. So, yeah, but yeah. You're just not going to make everyone happy. You won't. But if you did want to have a uh, gin martini with uh, blue cheese olives that I had that my characters drink in London, actually, there is a there is a hotel in Boston that actually serves that. So you could go and have one, TB. It's the Fairmont. Off you go. People have actually asked me that. So that was real. I don't know if it's open right now. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly not, no. Just saying. <laughs> but if I ever come back to, Lon uh, to London, if I ever come back over to Boston again, we shall meet in Boston and go to the Fairmont for a, for a blue cheese and oh. martini, okay? All right. Is it blue cheese and olives? Yeah, blue cheese, olive, martini. You can have my olive. <laughs> and also I had a coconut IPA. It's the nicest beer I've ever drunk in my life. Coconut? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll try that. That one sounds like it could be either really good or just terrible. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> it's delicious. 
All right, well, we hope that's been um, interesting and useful um, as locations in your books. They're really important, so don't forget them. And yeah, ground your characters. Don't just have them living in a white space in a white world. Absolutely. Let us know um, what you think. Is, is location important when you're writing? Uh, is it something you need to improve on? What about if you're a reader? Do you, do you love the sense of place in, um, in books? Let us know, write in, um, Instagram me, Facebook, Twitter, comment on the website or email us lesbiansyourwrite at gmail.com and join us next week when we will be discussing something about loved ones, how our loved ones have impacted on our writing lives. Yeah, it's something like that, definitely something like that, right TB? We might, we might workshop the title a bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, until then, stay safe, keep writing. Bye everybody. Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Listen in every week for more conversations on writing and lesbian fiction. And you can make sure you never miss an episode by signing up to our newsletter at lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more people to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time. Bye.